It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Scharf. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Done Being Single. We are done being single. We are. But we are not done talking about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, listen to that lovely voice. Um, Honey, how are you feeling? I'm feeling better. Okay, good. I've, you know, had a little upper respiratory thing for the last few weeks. You sure did. But, but I'm, I'm on the road to recovery. We hope so. Anyway, because I'm confident. You're confident? I'm confident. Oh, you're confident. Which is the topic of today's episode. Confidence. Well, sometimes your confidence Bulletproof. has the better of you in that you're more confident than well. So this is something that we have to kind of look at during well, this you know, period of sickness. This is, isn't, this a, isn't this sort of apropos for I think the topic, right? Because confidence comes in everywhere in life. Everywhere. And confidence can get you through almost anything. Exactly. Yeah, and having so... It, not having it as well can really be a, a big pain. Right. It's something you need in your toolbox, along with so many other things that we talk about on the show, but confidence is a biggie. And we're going to go into it today. We're going to teach you how to find it, get it, own it. Is it something it, is it something you find? Keep it. Is it something you Develop get? it, grow it. See, I don't associate confidence with it being a tool. Wait, without, speaking of which, without becoming a arrogant, pompous, obnoxious. Okay. Can I finish my thought? Yes, you can. Thank you. That would okay. be really sure, sure. beneficial to okay. us. I don't consider confidence to be a tool in a toolbox that you pull out as you need it. I think confidence is something that you either have or you don't. Now, is there a way it can be drawn out of people that don't exhibit it? We're going to find that out today, I think. I, yeah, we're going to... Or is it something that is a tool and I'm not using it properly? You know, I'm pretty much a confident person. I'm, I have self-confidence. Yes. And I draw upon it as needed, but it's not like I wear it as a badge and it's it's not something that i walk around you know cock of the walk that way it's not really that so much and if i feel like i need it, it it's always there but i don't treat it like a no tool. You, you you have the perfect amount oh thank you not too much not too little really yes i find hmm. your confidence levels extremely attractive very appealing extremely winning and that will be $250, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I do. I find you... Well, this is what it, this was initially attracted me to you. You have a very nice, subtle confidence about you. Why, thank you, honey. It's not too much. It's not too overbearing. I can't stand that. I know you can't either. No, I can't. It's, because it, there is a There is a point where it can be too much. We've experienced that in people and friends and non-friends and things that we see. And, and why is it too much? Is it too much because it's overcompensation? Overselling? 
What what is that? Where I, does I, it come wh- from? Why are but overconfidence is subjective too. You know, when you say just the right amount of confidence, I don't know what that means. I just know what I am. So I I appreciate that you say that, of course, and that's all I could ever hope to be is just the right amount. Right. But Otherwise, we experience things where we get oh an abundance of something. It's unattractive. It's unattractive. It, it right. works against them. Yes, there really is nothing sexier than a confident woman or man. Right. Uh, With good posture. Speaks... Oh, we're going to talk about that. Oh, really? We are talking oh, about I that. Thought about that. Okay, that's good. Oh no, no. Our guest today is sort of a, a, a master of confidence tricks, posture and poses being one of oh, them. Oh, that's great. Oh, this yeah. is this is going to be a great episode, okay? Because I agree with you that confidence, you either have it or you don't. I think you were born with it. Do you think, right? I don't know. I, I guess. I think that it starts probably at birth and it comes from your parents. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> I, I'm really, I, I didn't mean that to be, well, yeah. Okay. But this, but this is I'm really sorry. Another thing we're going to talk about. What if you don't, have, what if parents? you didn't get it? What if you, right. What if you didn't right. learn it? What if you didn't, weren't encouraged? Yeah. Right. Okay. I I'm think, so sorry. Oh, you don't have to apologize. I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I think I am a confident person, mm-hmm. but I have to work on it. Yes. I'm so I mean, sorry. I'm not, um, I don't just, I don't just walk around thinking, oh, I can just make it happen, anything magically. There is, I mean, I, I do believe that I have skills and talent to, yes, make things happen. I do believe that I can, you know, win people and influence. What's that the saying? Win? Uh, Dale Carnegie. Carnegie. Right. But, How to win friends and influence and influ- uh, Yes, I believe that I can. But with that said, it's a muscle that needs to be trained and kept in shape. And yes... And it sometimes it does not come naturally to me, even the best mm-hmm. of us. And in those moments, you need to, you need to know where to look for it. You need to know where to access it. I think everybody wants that leg up, that edge. I alone can fix it. Well, no, no, but David Snyder can. Oh yes, if we can, and <laughs> David Snyder, our guest today. That'll be excellent. So so, so anyway. Should we introduce Why don't Dan? we bring him in? Okay, well, let's not waste another no. moment. Let's bring in the man of the hour, okay? I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to introduce David Snyder. David Snyder is recognized as one of the world's leading experts on hypnosis, neuro-linguistic programming, and mind-body technologies for peak performance, persuasion, and covert influence. A licensed and certified hypnosis trainer, master practitioner and trainer in NLP, and the Society of Experiential Trance, David tirelessly works to develop training and educational opportunities designed to powerfully raise the skill level and professional status of hypnotists all over the world. He is the founder and creator of the CPI, Conversational, Conversational, excuse me, Persuasion and Influence System. In addition... Say that again, please. Just... He is the founder and creator of the CPI, Conversational Persuasion and Influence System. In addition to his many credentials in the field of hypnosis and NLP, David holds a Master of Arts degree in acupuncture and oriental medicine from Southern California University of Health Sciences, where he pioneered the use of hypnotic technique in combination with acupuncture therapy. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. He also, because I believe in both, by the way, and I practice both acupuncture and hypnosis, um, or At rather, I may practice, I may, uh, no, no, but I do seek it out. Yes. I do have my people. Uh, David also holds 
ninth degree black belt in martial arts. Wow. So don't fuck with him either. No, don't fuck with this guy. When he tries to teach you something, motherfuckers better listen. Yeah. Okay. David's passion for NLP hypnosis and the belief that hypnosis is a life skill has led him to pioneer new and innovative ways of teaching and training aspiring hypnotists to become more confident, competent, and effective in every aspect of their lives. Welcome, David. David, come in. You can unmute. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. You're very welcome. Welcome to I the I love show. the sound effects, by the way. It makes me really happy, especially the applause. Oh, that's good. Well, Isn't here, that great? we have a little more of that than the United States. We have hey. a giant studio Woo-hoo! audience. It's here. a big studio audience. <laughs> but you got to watch them. Sometimes they start getting a little. Oh, oh really? You're going to do that now? Okay, that's, uh, that's okay. That's okay. That's a... Shut them up. <laughs> okay, they're gone. Okay. Get them out of here. So, right. David, thank you yes. for, so much for being on the show. And I have a opening question. How early did you realize you had this ability or power? Uh, which ability specifically? I would we say about, about have hypnosis ability. Oh God, that I had the ability to hip for to hypnosis. I really didn't realize it for a very long time. I was practicing hypnosis since my teens. I've now been doing hypnosis longer than I haven't. But it was it started off as a passion to just understand how the mind works, how I could tap into it, how I could use it for things. Like I tell people now, if you'd have told me 30, 40 years ago that I'd be in a clinic five days a week helping people shovel their shit, you know, shit being a technical term, specialized hypnosis influence techniques. Uh, I'd have laughed at you because all I really wanted to do back in those days was improve myself, kick butt, get chicks, and be cool. And uh, and so that's kind of where my, my orientation on hypnosis was. I, I really didn't see myself helping, you know, and, and being a ther- therapist like I've become today. But hypnosis was something that I once I got a taste of it, it was just like a, a, a fish to water. I just couldn't let go of it. You never have a food that just once mm-hmm. you've tasted it, like you're you're hooked on it for life. And it's like every chance you get to find new versions of it or, or taste somebody else's recipe or whatever, you, you're just going to jump in and, and see what you can steal and what you know what's worthless and what's not. And that's kind of what I did is, is as I learned about hypnosis and how I could use it to improve myself, to remove the fears, the insecurities, or to help lose weight, which is where I started. My mom came home from the doctor's office one day with these tapes from this doctor she got, and they were all about this, this, these self-hypnosis tapes. And I was like, well, what's this? And I started doing some a little – and again, I'm, I'm like you know, 13, 14 years old doing this. And I'm like, wow, you can, you can use hypnosis for this and that and the other thing. I was like, so I'm, I'm just going through book after book, finding – you know every piece I could. And of course, a lot of the things I wanted to use hypnosis for, they said you couldn't. Well, I have this little character flaw that the fastest way to get me to do something is to tell me I can't. Right. <laughs> so I spent a lot of years trying stuff on, researching, asking questions, finding ways to solve the problems I had. And as time went on, as I honed what worked for me, I discovered other people had the same challenges, you know, being more confident, being less fearful tapping into their ability to to actually do things better and faster and hypnosis was a vehicle to allow us to bridge that mind body gap and and tap into the things that are holding us back and turn them into things that propel us forward and so that's been my life journey and i found out that there were kindred spirits along the way who had the same needs and the same desires and and as i started uh, showing what i had learned and teaching what i had learned they started going out into the world and getting a lot of results and the reports just come in you know more and more and more as we we share these things the people going out just changing their lives with things that started out as me just trying to fix my own shit, you know, and it's really gratifying to see how what we think of as 
stumbling blocks and, and barriers and these insurmountable obstacles, when we apply them with the right tools to them and we overcome them and we look back on them, they become the source of tremendous, tremendous resources and strengths and abilities that add to that, that confidence that is our default state. And I'm going to talk more about confidence after the break. Well, that's great. And, and thank you for that because we do have a break coming up right now. We have so much to get into with you. So we are going to our first break and we will be back cool. with more from David Snyder. Excellent. And we are back. David, you say that being confident is your birthright. Can you explain? Well, I'm going to say something that's kind of controversial, first and foremost. Good. <laughs> Especially because of how we began this show. After years and years of studying this, this, this concept of confidence, what I've discovered is that largely the confidence or the idea of confidence that we've been sold by the self-help community is mostly bullshit. And I'll give you my, my take on that, and then I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to the whole confidence is a birthright kind of thing. Okay. We're taught by the self-help community that in order to be successful, that in order to you know, achieve everything we want in life, that we need to be confident. Functionally, what I have found is that is false. Think about this for a moment. Has there ever been a time in your life when you saw something that you needed to get done, absolutely had to get done, you had no confidence in your ability to do it, but you did it anyway, and you and you nailed it? Ever, ever had that happen? Yes. I'm thinking. More than once, more than once maybe? <gasps> yes. Shut up. Over there. Okay. So let me ask you a question. When did the confidence actually come? It came when I was kind of in the middle of it, and I realized, holy shit, I can do this. Almost like an afterthought, right? Right. And then, which kind of happens to me most of the time, I'll be, I'll, I'll be daunted by something completely overwhelmed and freaked out and, and afraid. And then I, and then I take a deep breath and I just plug my nose and I dive in. And then once, and then once I'm in, I realize, oh, it's not that hard or it's not that bad, or I could actually do this. And then of course, when you finish it, you go, exactly. Confidence happens as a result of taking the action. And it never starts at the beginning. It's always, like you said, in the middle or after you finished. Confidence is an after effect of something else. And that trait that you want is called relentlessness. Okay, good. Relentlessness leads to confidence. It's yes. okay to be afraid. And that's what and that's honestly kind of circling back to confidence is your birthright. When you come into this world, you don't know that you can't do something. Right? right. You learn to feel that sense of helplessness or that sense of powerlessness because you're in a world where everything's strange and everything's alien. You learn to be afraid, so to speak, because right. you, you come into this world with, as a, nothing but a big hard drive. You know that there's only a few things that you know. Everything else is learned very, very quickly. There's either things that are familiar or things that aren't. There's things that feel good and there's things that feel bad. Everything else is something that you learn. So when people say they want to be confident or feel more confident, what they're saying under the surface is they just want to stop being afraid. And once we start eliminating the fear, building that sense of uh, relentless determination within them with a few other attributes, playfulness, curiosity are, are very powerful buffers and amplifiers to this process. They, they, they kind of come together to form a very powerful synergy, a propulsion system that moves you forward. We learn confidence. We learn fear. Mm-hmm. And your nervous system, through no fault of your own, has a bias towards negative emotion. It has a bias towards making the, the things that could threaten you seem larger than they actually appear by two to six times, believe it or not. If I, if the if the work I've got, uh, the research from Chris Ariely, or, uh, Dan Ariely and Chris Voss are, are uh, accurate, 
the average human being experiences negativity and, and negative emotions two to six times stronger than they do the positive ones. Mm. Now, it sounds daunting at first, but that's a ratio we can work with because once we know what those ratios are, we can modify our lifestyle and, and the way we train our mind and body to, to compensate for that. But confidence by and large is something that happens in the absence of fear. But the precursor to all of it, the precursor is a relentless determination to move forward no matter what. And that's something that I think is the backbone of every successful person out there. Whether you like them or you don't, they just don't stop. They go over, they go around, they go through. They may not know what the next step is, but they're going to go forward and, and figure it out as they go. So when we start playing with this idea of confidence is actually something that comes after the results of the actions you take. It's, um, it, it, sorry, it's a really great point, and I can acknowledge that because I think I've seen it in Trevor when that mm -hmm. happens, and I've just witnessed that in you. So that's a beautiful thing, and that it, it's not something you have in, initially. You, you, you gain it as you are doing the task. Mm -hmm. Yes, you do tend to, I mean, the, relentness, the relentlessness, that determination you're talking about, yeah, you've got to have the desire. I mean, it's got to just drive you. Once you have the desire, getting a little wind at your back or providing your own wind at your back is really crucial to, yeah. to accomplishment. But I, I wonder and I worry about the people that, let's just say, they didn't grow up with validation. They didn't see mm -hmm. it. They didn't have encouragement. They didn't have parents that believed in them. And so they grew up with, you know, like you said, the ratio of negative beliefs to positive is out of whack. Mm -hmm. How do you help those people? Well, we start by finding out what they want instead. And that's a very important phrase. Because neurologically speaking, when you ask somebody, what do you want instead, it includes every possibility except the one that's the problem. So no matter what they choose, it's going to be better. And I do a lot of trauma work. I ha in my clinic, most of what I focus on is physiological illness, which is the result of repressed emotion. And a huge amount of that emotion is abuse, sexual molestation, war trauma, accident trauma, domestic abuse, especially in cases of child abuse, these people have grown up uh, never feeling safe, never feeling like they have a place or a voice. And so the first thing that we need to do is we need to unlock those experiences. We need to, to remove the negativity from them and give them an alternative experience. And because of the technologies we've developed, which you've touched on a little bit in the introduction, we're able to do that very, very quickly. One of the things that during the intro was this idea of posture and breathing. What we're talking about, confidence like relentlessness, fear like joy, like ecstasy, mischievousness, and all these other, this, this whole range of emotions that we experience are mind-body feedback loops. They're the result of the mind and the body interacting in a certain way. And if you understand how that process works, now that's, this is in addition to or in combination with cleaning up the crap. Uh, but if you need confidence in the moment, one of the fastest ways to do that is to recall times when you were confident, recall times when you were a winner, recall times when you, you, you owned the room, whatever it is. Remember what that felt like. As you remember what that felt like, notice that there's a location in your body where those body feelings start. Right? Mm -hmm. And I, I can give you the whole intervention right now if you want, but, and I'm happy to do that. But once you, not when the things, once you notice where those body feelings start, remember what it was like at the highest moment of that experience. In that moment, stand the way you were standing. Breathe the way you were breathing. 
smell and taste mm-hmm. what you smelled and you taste in that moment. Let those feelings come flooding back even stronger. Hold that for at least two minutes. That's the quick body somatic hack, as I like to call it. But there's another way to amplify that. Remember I said, notice where in your body you feel it. If you could point to where you feel that feeling, and your mind could give you a color associated with that feeling, what color would it be? Imagine a big ball of that energy floating above your head. Notice how the feelings in your body shift and changes with every breath you take and every beat of your heart. That ball of energy begins to grow, begins to expand, begins to fill the entire room from floor to ceiling, from wall to wall and all points in between. Notice how it wraps itself around you like an amazing blanket of confidence, a cocoon, a shield, a suit of armor, insulating you, protecting you from all threats, real or imagined, while at the same time flooding your mind, flooding your body flooding your spirit with everything it most wants, everything it most needs in an infinite, ever-expanding and unlimited supply. And when you know you've got that, breathe those colors through your entire being. Let it fill you up like water fills up a bottle, like fluid fills up a test tube, like hot air or helium fills up a balloon. Anchor it in so fully, so completely, no force in the universe can turn it off or take it away. Not even you. When you know it's true, when you realize it's a fact, test it. Try to turn it off. Try to take it away. Notice what happens instead. Uh, Let me get myself back here. (laughs) In our first segment, we talked about how confidence is a tool, or is it a tool? And so it's a skill. It's a skill, not a tool. How can you view it? And how should people that aren't necessarily born with this confidence, like Trev was saying earlier, how can we use it it to our best interest? Well, the first thing to understand is that for every emotional state, every psycho-emotional state that you have, there's a posture and a breathing pattern that activates it. Regardless of how unconfident you feel, there have been times in your life when you have been confident. There have been times in your life when you've been, even more importantly, certain. And that goes to relentlessness. The perception of confidence is actually the act of relentlessness. It's act of certainty, of moving forward and doing what needs to be done regardless of what's in front of you. It's not about whether you're afraid or not. It's about the resolve to move forward. But we can resolve the fears and we access those states by understanding how to combine our body and our breathing. And then we can take it even further by the, the technique I ran uh, you and Treva through just a minute ago. Hold so, on one second. We got – Treva has to uh, – <laughs> By the way, this technique, if there's, if there's any emotional stuff connected to that lung, uh-huh. it's going to trigger it. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> she didn't yeah. hear that. Most, uh, of your, most of your physiological illnesses <laughs> that, you, that you express, even things like asthma or, or and lungs and things like that. You got to hear it. Hold on a second. She's back. I want her to hear this. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Well, go one ahead. of the things that we talk about in Chinese medicine is this thing called internal pathogens. And, and for the most part, internal pathogens are always emotions that have been repressed or locked in the body. Mm-hmm. And over time, they accumulate uh, an amplitude or a magnitude to them and that eventually the body reaches its, its tolerance and it can no longer just keep it under wraps and it expresses some form of physical pathology that goes with it. So many times when we start to unpack things for physically, let's say I was working with you on your lungs, all of a sudden we may tap into grief, we may tap into fear, we may tap into anxieties or things that you've locked down that have been there for a long time and just been accumulating masses over the, over time and then 
body's reached its tolerances. But on the inverse side of things is many times when we start unpacking emotions, we start venting those emotions, the body goes through a physiological purging process. And many times they break out in a sweat, sometimes they twitch, sometimes they yawn, they laugh, they cry. Some people just feel waves of emotion coming up. It's a feedback loop. But your body is always, always expressing what it's holding in and, and, and storing emotionally. And so many times when we do these interventions, the body responds in interesting ways. It's not a sign that something's wrong. It's a sign that something's going very right. The body's shedding what it no longer needs to hold on to. And many times those things come out the way that they go in. Okay, well, she's got more coming out than going in right now. I think. I'll tell you that. So, uh, yeah. Then being single brought to you by the dulcet tones of my wife hacking in the bathroom. <laughs> So, now, the go ahead. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm sorry that we, this got broken up a bit. Honey, okay? No. Wow. Uh, something got triggered. Mm. She was great this morning. Oh we, can, we can fix that <laughs> if, you want, if you want. I think we, we can fix come it. Come on back, I'll fix it. Yeah, oh, he, he says, God. He, he says you can, he'll fix it for you. <coughs> oh, God, David, I am so sorry. Don't be sorry. And by the way, I'm listening to you and I'm nodding and I'm thinking you are correct because there is a definite mind-body connection to this whole thing. All right. The, so the, is it okay to get rid of this? Yes. Is there any reason why you might want to keep it? No. She's, okay. Go. Wait, are we okay. rolling? We're rolling. And I'll edit, I'll edit this later. I don't give a shit. Okay. All right. So we're going to do a couple of things and we'll see how many we need to do before it's completely gone. We may just, it may just be one and done. I, I never know this, but I always have a bag of tricks. So first it. and foremost, let's make sure that we're, it's okay for you from your body's perspective to get rid of this. So I'm curious about something. If you, as you feel the, the feelings you want to get rid of, it's interesting to notice that sometimes that's not the problem. Sometimes there's a reason those feelings are there and there's a feeling connected to that reason. Point to where in your body the reason connected to that feeling for that is located, first impression. You mean where I think this is coming from? First impression, when you when I said there's a feeling in your body with, that's connected to the reason, you, you got a body feeling. Where, yeah. did, you, where did it go? Uh, point to it. Uh, upper stomach to chest. Excellent. As you point to that feeling with your one hand, reach out with your other hand. If there was a picture floating in the space around you that yeah. represented that feeling, a picture you could reach out and touch, where would you reach out to touch it and physically reach out and touch it for me? Okay. Excellent. Now trace the outline of that picture with both of your hands so you know how big it is. Okay. Excellent. Now, just to make sure we've got the right one, I want you to grab the edges of it, make the picture bigger, and tell me what happens to the feeling in your body. Stronger or weaker? Weaker. Excellent. So you're, you're a condenser. Excellent. So here's what I want you to do. Let's bring it back to its original size. Mm -hmm. So slowly keep the size of the picture exactly the same, but slowly pull it closer to your body. Notice what happens to the feeling. What should the picture look like? Whatever. Doesn't I want. matter. What happens when you pull the picture closer to your body? I feel more relaxed. Excellent. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put a big black frame around that picture. Okay. And make it as big as a drive-in movie theater screen. Okay. Now, you're probably too young to remember when televisions had real dials and knobs and switches instead of touch screens and remote controls. Oh, you're the best, what David. I, I'm, what I'm like old as do, dirt, honey. <laughs> what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to feel along the base of that frame. I'd like you to find the knob that controls the brightness or the contrast. Okay. And I'd like you to turn that knob all the way to the right until the image whites out completely and notice how that makes you feel. And Lighter. When you've done, excellent. When you turn all the way to the left, tell me how that makes you feel. So the image blacks out completely. Don't and let me know which one you like better. I like the, the lighter feels lighter. Excellent. Perfect. Turn it all the way to the white mm -hmm. until the image whites out completely. Mm -hmm. Now here's where it gets cool. 
You see, there were some lessons that these experiences connected to those feelings had to teach you. Taking the index finger of your dominant hand, I want you in glowing golden letters, I want you to write across that whited out screen everything these experiences had to teach you so you can keep the lessons and let everything else go. Now the best part is, is you may know exactly what to write. You may have no clue what you're writing. Some people just draw pictures. Some people write squiggles. Some people just write fuck you, fuck you, fuck you across the screen. Some people write with both hands simultaneously. It's like they're writing Chinese or Hebrew at the same time. However you do it, you don't even need to know what you're writing. There's a part of you that always knows. Just keep writing across that screen until everything that needs to be kept is on that screen so you can keep all those lessons and let everything else go. Can I write things I want to get rid of? Absolutely. Okay. Whatever comes up first, put it on that screen. That screen will scroll like a tablet so you have an infinite writing space. Okay. And you may notice, and again, this is not a suggestion, but you may notice as you continue to write, your body may feel emotions. It may do interesting things. Just keep writing them on the screen until you know you're done. And when you know you're done, you just say, I'm done, and we'll continue with the next part of our process. For those who can't see, she is writing. I've had people write for 20 minutes. My wife writes for 40 minutes. Makes for great she's, radio. She's very detailed. <laughs> What's interesting about the process is that the human body is made to express. It's designed to pass energy through it. And when we have a trauma, when we have stuck emotions, that energy stops for whatever reason. Some people, the Chinese think it's like frozen or toxified emotion. Some people think it's a, a defense mechanism that the body holds these things in storage. And they keep them in storage until guided by the right technology, equipped with the right wisdom. We, we go back inside and we tell the system what to do with this stuff anyway. So the moment we give, we create a mechanism for all the different divisions of your nervous system to communicate, those things can be processed cleaner, faster, and the reasons that the body was generating the symptoms is no longer there. And so it's happy to let everything else go. Okay, I finished writing. Excellent. Shrink that picture down to the size of a postage stamp. How does that feel? Better. Excellent. Now take that picture, float it up over the top of your head, uh -huh. back behind the horizon until it disappears completely. And you know the sound a hammer makes when it's banging on a nail or a nail gun makes when it's putting nails in? Yeah. I want you to hear that picture nailed back there for all eternity until it's impossible to come back. And when you know it's nailed back there for all eternity, impossible to come back, test it. Try to bring it back and notice what happens instead. When I threw it away, I threw it onto, I just threw it out to the horizon. It hit me in the forehead. That's fine. <laughs> Excellent. Now, scan your body, notice how different you feel. Much more relaxed. You notice she hasn't coughed since we started this exercise. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. The intervention's fast, but it keeps going, so don't worry about it. Okay, that was good. Very good. Wow. Um, I, I'm seeing a much more relaxed person here. Wow. You could do the exact same thing for anything that hinders your confidence. That's really powerful stuff. I can see how effective it is. And we did it live on the air. <laughs> Incredible. Wow, David, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Like I said, there's no accident. I think people, I think sickness and disease, there is a component. There's definitely an emotional component. Always. In fact, well, this, the studies are showing, and this is not new. And this is, goes back to a, a, a medical, an insurance report study called the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Experiences. 90% or more of all chronic illness 
across the spectrum can be traced back to adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's and then it gets crazier. Or but or, yeah. or even child experiences that get triggered in adulthood. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, the body got understands and this is uh, I think Chase Hughes one of my colleagues in the behavioral sciences field said this very very well. The autonomic nervous system doesn't speak English. Never has, never will. It understands English, but it doesn't speak it. The only way it can communicate is through the body, through body symptoms, through body metaphors like coughs and twitches and fevers and aches and pains. And so my operating theory with pretty much all disease, it's a pretty global statement, all disease is a, is a metaphor for a message that the unconscious mind or the autonomic nervous system is trying to send us using the only language it knows how. Mm-hmm. And once you can understand what it's saying, then you can help it to resolve those things. But the conscious mind doesn't speak the same language as the, of the autonomic nervous system. They don't understand each other very well. And that's what we did with you, was we created a mechanism where all the different divisions of your mind and body could communicate in a way that everyone understood what needed to be done. Mm. Okay, on that note, we are going to go to another break and okay. come on back with more from David Snyder. Thank you. I feel like David's my new best friend right now. I feel so <laughs> close to him. I've been coughing and spitting and opening that's... my... You know. Life and that um, okay, David. Questions, <laughs> questions galore. Um, okay, let's get them all in here. What if you're not like a naturally gifted Don Juan, or you're not an Instagram model, and mm-hmm. and you know it, this, you're not a natural, um, but you're but you want the girl, mm-hmm. you want to ask her out, and you and you're a woman, and you want the great relationship, you want the great the great high quality guy, and yet somewhere inside. No, you don't feel confident that you can get them. Okay. First thing is to work on yourself, but it's also to figure out what it is that you want in a person. What What are the deal breakers? What absolutely makes you happy? And in NLP speak, we call this criterion values. And the reason for this is, is because society has programmed us with this huge amount of bullshit beliefs about what we're supposed to want in a person, what what's supposed to make us happy. And more often than not, it's a lie. Okay. Hmm. So we need to kind of pare away the shit that society's programmed us to want and that stuff that's supposed to make us happy to what makes us happy. What do we really want? What are the absolute necessary things? Because until we drill down on that and we make ourselves that person, we're not going to be able to attract the kind of people that can fulfill that for us. I tell my students, and I have a lot of people who come to me because there's a hole in their life that they want to fill. I tell them first and foremost, before you start going out looking for a mate, make your life the most amazing life you can for yourself, by yourself. Because if you don't have a life worth living, nobody's going to want to share it with you. Right. right? And what happens when you move through the world with a, a satisfying and thrilling, fulfilling life, by your standards, kindred spirits are going to come up. You're going to find yourself in, I call it target rich environments. Mm-hmm. People who share the same basic desires and enjoy, and enjoy the same things. I think in this society also it becomes vitally important to be able to screen out the people who don't fit your criteria. So the first thing is make yourself the prize in your world. You know that's a that's a term we pick up. You know we we, we adapted from the, the the seduction community oh so many years ago. It's called prizing. Who's the prize in that relationship? It should always be you. Right. So the first thing is you've got to build yourself. I know I know we're talking about going up and attracting the other people, and, and that's important. There's techniques for that. Mm-hmm. But if you're not solid about yourself inside, and you're you're looking for that other person to make you whole, well, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. 
So make your life the best it can be first. Define for yourself what's important to you and what order they're important to you and how you know you're getting it. All right. Yes. Once you have that, then it's about taking on the exterior of what projects that out that's congruent with your, your internal self-image. If you're you know, in, in the pickup and seduction world, which I came from, I'll be honest with you, there was this concept called peacocking, which was this idea that the male peacock gets the greatest amount of attention, the one with the greatest plumage, the prettiest hair, everything. They get the most attention, and they do. But there's a problem with that, that concept is that if you don't have an identity, you don't have a self-image that supports that, then right. you no longer wear the clothes. The clothes wear you. Right. And you come across as being a poser. Of, a, of your posturing, someone who's trying to convince themselves that they're confident. And that w women especially pick that up a of mile course. away. Right. Yeah, uh, of and, course. and men, I think, because one of the impetuses, in, in, especially in, in older, more mature women who've been successful in the corporate world or, or, or people who just very, women who are, have a little bit more of an alpha trait to them, when they see someone they like, they want to just tell that person every single thing about them. It's that drive for intimacy because women have this intimacy drive where men have a sexual drive. Mm -hmm. And both lead to the same thing. They just get there through different routes. And the problem with that intimacy drive is that most guys can't digest that level of intimacy that quick. They don't process it. And so they get gun-shy. They bail. So one of the things that has to happen, you have to be able to – once you've gotten all that kind of sussed out, you've got to put yourself in the right state. The fastest way to do that ethically and honestly is to take on a body posture – of that kind of uh, of someone who's, for lack of a better word, confident. Right. There's a there's a great book, and I don't know if if, if your if your readers would be interested in it. The book is called Love Trances by a gentleman named Craig Ravinsky, and in that book he talks about one of his his female clients. She had this bunch of friends. They would go out to the, these clubs and whatever. And I'm not a big club goer, but this is if it'll work in a in a hostile environment like an LA pickup bar, it should work everywhere else. One of the things that this woman, if, if you were to put it, I don't, I know we don't like attractiveness scales, but on a scale of zero to 10, this girl was a solid like 6.5 or seven, but all her friends were like nines. They would go out together right. and they would walk into this nightclub and like clockwork, every single time they went out, all of the guys in the place swarmed on this one woman who among the nines was the seven, right? right? It was driving her friends crazy. They couldn't figure out what she was doing, and I don't think she was telling him. But Craig, she was in a, a session with Craig. He was like a palm reader or something, and he asked her. He says, well, "How do you do that? How do you how do you do that?" She says, "Well, it's very simple. I just imagine that I'm a rock star, and everyone in the room is there to see me." And she would literally get into the posture, get into the breathing pattern. She would hold it for however long she held it, and she would walk into that room like she was somebody. And before you know it. Poof, like like moths to a flame, guys would approach her. I love now, it. So it's what's all interesting? What's interesting about it, it and, and the secret is in the body posture. This is this goes back. You mentioned at the beginning of uh, of the podcast uh, a lot of research by a, a woman named Amy Cuddy. If you can find her TED Talk on uh, on YouTube, is yeah, the, the, it. called Power Poses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amy did some very powerful research on the effect of your posture and your breathing on your psychoemotional states. And what she discovered was that if you would hold these naturally occurring victory poses, like you know, when even blind children, when they when they when they score a victory, their hands shoot up right. into the air, right? Uh, the the arms, the hands on the hip pose, um, the uh, 
chairman of the board pose, I like to call it, which is where the guy's kind of leaning over with his knuckles on the desk, looking you in the face. If you would hold these postures, which he found was if you held these postures for a minimum of two minutes on a fairly consistent basis, uh, your, 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 your psycho-emotional state would change, but so would your blood chemistry in many cases. Now, the blood chemistry thing has not been as repeatable as the state change. What they found was that sometimes they got a change in blood chemistry, meaning the testosterone would go way up by, by almost 20 percent. Cortisol would go down, and so people would start being more confident and more relaxed, and you could measure it in their blood chemistry. But in every time when they've replicated the studies, the, the, the state change occurred even if the blood chemistry didn't change. So the bottom line is what you do with your body affects what you do with your mind. And if you understand that, if you, if you hold these poses, you bring up the state you want, you assume the physical posture that you have, you hold it for a minimum of two minutes, and then you walk in in that energy, you walk in being that person, that you will send out the messages that entice people who are resonant with you. I that believe that sense. could work. And I saw a YouTube video with you holding your arms up like Muhammad Ali, you know, uh -huh. in victory. Yep. yep. For two minutes. Yep. And I do that at the beginning of every class. It's become a ritual. It's so cool. Great. David, we have to wrap up this show. And this is so unfortunate because... <laughs> It's been an incredible period of time, and you've helped Treva get to a point where I think she's over the hill here with the uh, oh. uh, over the <laughs> over the over the hump of the of the pneumonia mm -hmm. and the bronchitis, and I think it's exiting as we speak. Yeah. Well, just uh, as an aside, what you saw me do with Treva, and if you keep the whole clip in, uh, I think it would be very very instructional for you people. But everything you saw me do with Treva, you can do to be more confident, get rid of the fears, the insecurities. And combine that with your postures, and you'll have a one-two combination that will just continue to get stronger over time. Right on. Excellent. David, tell our listeners how they can find you. Sure. For those of you who want to know more about what I do or see more of what I do, you can go to our YouTube channel, David Snyder NLP on YouTube. Or you can visit our website where we have a whole slew of products and blog, blog posts and articles and things. It's www.nlppower.com. That's www.nlppower.com. Or if you uh, have any questions, you can talk to my amazing administrative goddess, Stephanie Skiba, at 858-282-4663. And we'll do our best to get all of your questions answered in the shortest amount of time possible. Excellent. And Snyder is spelled S-N-Y-D-E-R. Correct. This has been great. Oh, my God, David. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. So welcome. You're so welcome, guys. <laughs> she's, she's starting to cough. She's, she's, thank you she's so started much. going through withdrawals of you not being here. And I know. Just, <laughs> it's I feel like you're part of the family now. Yes. <laughs> nice to be part of the family. That's great. So, honey, how do you feel? I feel good. Oh, good. Thank you. You look great. And thank you. You're sounding better. So, thank you, David. You're very welcome. All, All right. right. Have um, a great week, everybody. We're done being single. We are. and We're uh, done coughing. You are done. <laughs> yes, I think we're done. We're over it. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll be back next week. I'm Shadow Stevens with my friends, Trevor and Robbie. See you next week on Done Being Single. <laughs>